the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. When is the last time you put your heart, soul, and all your strength into a project or pursuit? That act of putting your all into an endeavor represents your passion for the task at hand. We all have passions, but too many times it seems we allow the world to misguide or dull them. Listening today as Pastor Rander challenges us to make sure we focus our passions in the right direction in this message, Where's Your Passion for Christ? He'll be speaking from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. I want to preach from the subject today, Where is Your Passion? Where is your passion? And if you have a pen and a pencil, you'll help yourself. And if you don't have something to write with, you're in trouble. And uh, the church today does not have the passion, commitment, and zeal of the early church. After the church was born in Acts chapter 2, you see a church that was full of passion and fire for God and the advancement of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Passion was evident in the witness of the church, the sacrificial giving to the point that they laid all that they owned and possessed at the apostles' feet. They had so much passion that you could, you could hear it in the testimony of, of faithful Christians. You could also see it in the perseverance of the saints in the midst of persecution. Whereas today there is a real difference. The church has an attitude of what can you do for me as opposed to what I can do for God and his church? Many saints are transient, going from church to church while others sit back and expect to be entertained, pampered, made to feel good, and often fall to sleep. Some Christians have a misplaced passion. They have passion, but the passion they have is a misplaced place passion to the extent that they find themselves with a passion for making more money. Uh, they're passionate when it comes to being consumed with career uh, advancement. Uh, they are passion, they're passionate about sports and entertainment, about gambling and pornography. They're passionate about lusting after men and women and so forth. But this particular message is designed to wake the church up from her spiritual lethargy, her apathy, as well as regression. And this message is designed to get the saints excited. Say excited. Say fired up. Thank you. Because of the vast kingdom responsibilities God has assigned to each and every one of us. I pose a question to all of you here today, from the youngest to the eldest, where is your passion? Say passion. It's a word we hear, but usually we hear it in the wrong context. So I don't want to leave you uh, wondering about passion. 
allow me to give you some characteristics of a passionate saint. Uh, saint. What are some characteristics of a passionate uh, a saint, uh, of passionate saints? Number one, passionate saints are, you can begin to fill in the blank, passionate saints are saints who are fervent, eager to serve, full of zeal, fire, and the Holy Ghost, okay? Passionate saints are saints who are fervent, uh, eager to what? Serve, full of zeal, fire, and the Holy Ghost. Where is your fire? Uh, uh, are you so excited about God until you are fired up? Are you so glad that you are in this new year that you can't wait to give God all you have to the glory of God. I first uh, shared this message to our leadership uh, a few weeks ago, and God convicted my heart that I ought to turn it into a sermon because not only is it good for the leadership, it is also good for the congregation at large. And so uh, look at Romans chapter 10, verses 12, and you'll see something. The scriptures are up there since you only have the references on your paper. But if you look at the screen, you'll see Romans 12, 10 through 11. It says, be kindly, what's the word? Affectionate. Affectionate. In other words, be uh, tender-hearted. Be tender-hearted. Affectionate is to be what? Tender-hearted to whom? One another with brotherly love and honor, giving preference to one another. Giving preference to one another. That is, in essence, saying giving priority to the interests of others. That is giving priority to the interests of others preferring one another, giving preference to one another. Verse 11, not lagging. What does it mean to lag? Uh, it means to be slow. You know, when, and, and for many of you, when it comes to uh, your, your Christian responsibilities, God doesn't save you without assigning you. Amen. Won't you say amen? For, for we who are saved, God has a divine assignment. God did not send Jesus without an assignment. And since he gave his only begotten son an assignment, you think he's going to leave us unassigned? God has an assignment for each one of you under my voice. But my question is, are you lagging in it? That means to be slow. Are you delaying in it? It means to delay. Lagging, it, it is to delay. You know what lagging means? It means to drag behind. You always look, you always just dragging behind. And some of y'all just like this when it comes to your spiritual life. Oh, but if it's something you want, you run in. But when it comes to God, oh, I guess I, oh, I don't feel, oh, there's a drop of rain. I see tornadoes. You just drag behind when it comes to your service for almighty God. It says lagging behind in diligence. You know what to be diligent means? It means to be hardworking. Where's your work? It is, it is to be untiring. It is to be persistent. To, to be diligent is to be on your assignment when no one shows up. It, it, it is to serve when you don't feel like it. It is, it is, it's even to serve when you don't feel too good. My little toe ache, I stay home. So diligence, 
not lagging behind in diligence, fervent. Look at that next phrase, fervent in spirit. You know what that that fervency is? It is to be serious about God. And you know what? I've come to the conclusion that many saints are not serious about God. They, be, they may be serious about politics, maybe serious about making money, maybe serious about, uh, the, about the Spurs when they lose or win or whatever. But when it comes to God, they're not serious. It's a fervent spirit. That's one who is serious. That is one who is filled with enthusiasm. Of one who is fervent in spirit, he or she is one who has a burning desire serving the Lord with a sense of burning and desire. I mean, every time you say what you, excuse me, what you ain't going to do, you eat your word because of the God in you. You ever, you ever decided what you wasn't going to do? I'm not going to do that. Oh, no, you know, the pastor, now he just beside this. No, nah, he can't fix his mouth to say that. And then when God get to, when you get to praying and reading your Bible, God start messing with you and pulling at you and stepping all on your feet. And all of a sudden you say, ouch, Lord, I surrender. Here I am. And you eat your very word. That's a sign of spiritual growth when you can eat your ants. Oh, God Almighty, when you can eat your ants. And then you start saying, I can do all things through Christ who what? Strengthens me. Number two, passionate saints are, the word is relentless. Relentless in servanthood. The next word is servanthood. Uh, uh, what does it mean to be a uh, relentless? It is, it, to be relentless is to be unshakable. You don't let what folks say just shake you and you find yourself, she looked at me. She cut her eye at me. He doesn't like me. He's not speaking to me. They don't speak to you on your job sometimes, but you keep on working. Amen. Your boss can get on your nerve, but you come on in and say good morning. Why don't you say amen? But you come to God's house and oh, relentless is to be unshakable. it, It means to be unwavering. I'm so relentless that I'm unwavering. To be relentless is to be persistent. In servanthood, the root word is servant, and, and a servant is one who yields and give of him or herself in obedience to God and his word. A servant is one who yields and gives his or herself over totally to the obedience to, of God and his word. I love what Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 9 verses 10 a says. It says, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might. Whatever you do for God, you give it all you, you've got. You give it with everything with it. You serve when it's raining. You serve when it's cold. You serve when you on the wrong side, got up on the wrong side of the bed, whatever that means. Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your what? That's all your strength. That's everything within you. I know each of us wants to get all that God has for us in the weeks, months, and even years ahead. Join us today as Pastor Rander continues to encourage us to engage our passions for the purpose of doing godly works in this message, Where is Your Passion for Christ? He'll be teaching from a number of scriptures, so get pen and paper ready as we begin. I love what 1 Samuel 12, 24 says. It says, only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with what? All your heart. I mean, God does not accept a half-hearted service. You serve him with how much of your heart? All your heart. And then I love this, this, underline this. For consider, if you've turned to it already, for consider what great things he has done for you. 
Oh, my, my, I could just hang right there and preach a whole message. Consider what great things he has done for you. How many of you know that you know you know that God has has done great things for you? How many of you know? I mean, how many of you know he's allowed some of you to retire? He's allowed others of you to see your children, not only your children, but your grandchildren. He's allowed, uh, some of you have been delivered from accidents and sicknesses and you've been delivered through surgeries and, and circumstances beyond your control. I mean, you've been delivered. God made ways out of no way. And when you consider who God is and how he, he gave you a breakthrough, he may not have come when you want him, but he was all, he was all, he was what? He was, he was what? He was what? He was, he, uh, I'm trying to get it out. He was what? He was on time. He was on time. And because he's a on time God and because he's a mighty deliverer, I serve him with all of my heart. If God has been that good to you, how could you return thanks? How can you return thanks uh, in a way that you think is thankful, but it's not thankful to God? It is really ungratitude, ingratitude. You see, for consider what great things he has done for you. And when you think about who he is to you, you will fear him and serve him in truth with all your heart. Number three, passionate saints remain faithful, faithful, available, and teachable. In other words, passionate saints remain fat. This is, is, is a fat and faithful. In other words, God can count on you. How many of you know you can count on God? But the real issue is, can God count on you? You are available. You don't just suddenly disappear when it's time to work. You signed up at those ministry tables that we had out for the last two weeks. Uh, you are teachable. I mean, you don't sit and, and, uh, become, uh, judgmental of you. you you don't conform to the teachings of scripture. Uh, Revelation 2.10 says, be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. In other words, the closer we get to going home to be with the Lord, the more passionate we must or should be. Do you realize we are closer to the coming of Christ than ever before? Do you realize how close you are to dying? If God were to put up the number of days that each of us had left over our heads on the screen, all of you all of a sudden would develop instant passion. Number four, a passionate saint relish, in other words, that's to delight, take pleasure in, uh, the thought of tithing and even as the leadership of this church is requesting and giving 3% above the tithe to the glory of God. When we see all that God has done in the history of this church, when we see that, that, that fabulous facility that God has erected, the road that's being constructed, when we see that recreational pavilion and all the things that God has done, and so God is calling us to get with it, to be tithers, and to even give 3% above uh, to the glory of God. Second Samuel 24, 24b says, Nor will I offer burnt offerings to the Lord my God with that which cost me nothing. With that which cost me nothing. In other words, when you come to, when it comes to giving to God, it is, it is, it is to be an example like the early church was, and that's to give 
sacrificially, generously, enthusiastically to the glory of Almighty God. Number five, passionate saints have a spirit-filled mind, which gives them less of an opportunity to be taken advantage of uh, by Satan. Uh, uh, what kind of mind are a, a saints to have? A spirit-filled mind. Uh, Matthew chapter 16, verses 22 through 23 says, Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you you are not mindful of the, the things of God, but of the things of men. And so we see here God uh, rebukes Peter for trying to get get in the way of God's divine assignment. God was telling them how he must go to the cross and Peter was trying to run interference on that through the enemy and God told Peter to get behind me. Be it known to you today, passionate saints have a spirit-filled mind. What what does it mean to have a spirit-filled mind? It means to have a mind that's under the influence of the Holy Spirit, to be under the control of the Holy Spirit, to be guided by the Holy Spirit, to be under the convicting work of the Holy Spirit, to be sensitized to the Spirit of God is to have a uh, spirit-controlled mind to the glory of God. Allow me to transition with another question. What are the symptoms of lost passion? Some of you have had passion, but you lost it and you need to get it back. And so what are the symptoms of lost passion? Number one, you know you've lost your passion when you're no longer a good example in the church. You're no longer a good example in the church. First Timothy 4.13 says, let no one despise your youth. Be an example. Say an example. To, to whom? To believers. Not only believers, but non-believers. Do you realize you can live in such a way for Jesus Christ that your lifestyle, the ministry of your words and your behavior win folk to Jesus Christ? And, 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 and folks see your lifestyle and the unusuality of your life to the point they, they begin to question, why do you do what you do? You see, and some other Christians live so badly until they don't have a testimony. So not only to believers, but but to non-believers, we ought to be an example to, to the believers. It says in word, what you say, in conduct, how you behave. You know, it's not just you, you don't just sing in the choir and act a fool in the congregation. Amen. Or you don't come here and usher a serving audiovisual ministry. Uh, a, a frequent the church with your attendance and raise hell in the workplace or at your home. Why don't you say amen? amen. Good conduct everywhere you go. In love, um, um, manifesting agape love. Loving folk uh, who are hard to love. Loving difficult folk. Uh, doing the thing that's not natural to you because love compels you. In, in the spirit, in, um, in spirit. In other words, you ought to have a right spirit, uh, as you do things. And you ought not walk around with a bad spirit. I mean, you ought to have a good spirit and a spirit that draws folk to you in faith. That faith that you, that you were called into through Jesus Christ in purity. Uh, the, the theme of the year is moral purity. And you ought to live such a way in holiness that you attract 
people to you to the glory of God. Number two, what are the symptoms of, of lost passion? Number two, when you do so, when you do so much less for God and take comfort in your excuses. You know, you're doing less now for God than you ever, you have ever done. Here's how you know you lost your passion. Everything is in the past tense mode, past tense mode. I used to go to church. I used to go to Sunday school. I used to knock on doors. I used to bring my children here. I used to, I used to tithe. I used to, and God is saying, well, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Uh, Luke chapter 14. Everyone turn to Luke 14 verses 15 through 24. This is an excuse passage. It's an excuse passage. Uh, uh, so when you find it, say amen. An excuse passage. Uh, Luke 14, uh, 15 through 24. Uh, look what it says. Now when one of, uh, now when one of those who sat at the table with him heard these things, He said to him, blessed is he who shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Verse 16. Then he said to him, a certain man gave a supper, uh, a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, come for all things are now ready. Verse 18. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. Now, just just look at all these excuses. I wish if it's your Bible right in it to make what underline excuses. The first said to him, I have bought a piece of ground and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me what? Excuse, underlined it. Verse 19. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. Got me some livestock here. And I'm going to test those babies out. I just paraphrase. (laughs) I ask you to have me what? Excuse. Underline it again. This is the excuse passage. Verse 20. Still another said, ah, I married me a wife. The Lord, you gave me a wife. And, 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 and therefore I can't come. You bless me too much. (laughs) So verse 21. So that servant came and reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house being angry said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded and still there's room. Verse 23, then the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be what? Healed or full, whatever translation you're reading. Verse 24, for I say to you that none of those men who were invited shall taste my supper. And you know what? Satan is a specialist in using excuses to keep you out of the kingdom of God. Oh, I can't come and unite with this church today. This is my first time visiting here. Oh, I can't come. My husband's not here. My wife's not here. I got to get this right, that right. My friend, if you can get it together without God, you don't need him. And a whole, the road, listen to this. The road to hell is paved with good excuses. You can excuse your way on into hell. And number three, uh, 
Uh, you know you've lost your passion when you no longer have passion when negative thoughts become a stronghold in your mind. When negative thoughts become a what? Stronghold in your mind. Second Corinthians chapter 10 verses four and five says, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Anything that exalts itself against God, his word of the ministry of the Holy Ghost, you are to uh, come against it. With authority, in the authority of the name of Jesus, bringing every thought that is not of God into what? Captivity to the obedience of Christ. Have you ever had thoughts come into your mind that is not of God? Everyone in this room, from the youngest child to the the oldest in here, all of us deals with that. Satan will plant thoughts, but... It's up to you as to what you're going to do with it. You can let it stay there, linger and catch root and just wreak, wreak havoc in your mind. Or you can identify that thought as not being of God. And in the name of Jesus, cast it out, lest it causes you to do things that would bring shame on the Lord Jesus Christ. Everything that exalts itself against the word of God, the knowledge of God, the spirit of God ought to be brought down. And listen, that the battle is for is in our minds. It's in our minds. And we determine who has ownership of our minds. If you enjoy this kind of biblical teaching or would like to hear this message in its entirety, please visit www.maranathasa.org where you will find an archive of audio messages, service times, directions to the church, upcoming events, and much more. You can also reach us at 210-821-5683. Maranatha Bible Church is located at 7855 East Loop 1604 North in Converse, Texas, 78109, directly across from Randolph Air Force Base. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.